0: What an honor to be here today. Uh, Rachel and I were so excited uh, when we heard uh, about you honoring your pastor and Miss Mary today. I leaned over to her and I said, I think they referred to you as Pastor Mary at one point. (laughs) And uh, I said, oh, no, wait, maybe that was Pastor Ann Mary. I think that's what what they said. But uh, we are truly, truly honored to be here today And uh, I was reminded this morning my wife was uh, giving me a quote uh, by Martin Luther uh, who said that it takes prayer, study, and suffering to make a pastor. And I am sure that your pastor has been through all of that throughout the 40 years that he has been here. Uh, In fact, uh, after I uh, talked to Brother Yates, Uh, he called and uh, first emailed me, then we talked by phone about me being here today. And uh, so many positive characteristics came to my mind about your pastor. Uh, It is so easy for me to talk good about your pastor because he is a good pastor. And uh, I immediately, after I got off the phone with him, I sat down In fact, my wife was upstairs and I was downstairs, and later said, What in the world were you doing down there? And I said, I sat down and began just to write out all the positive thoughts that came to my mind about your pastor. First of all, your pastor is a tremendous communicator of God's word. He has always been faithful and loyal to the scriptures, and for 40 years, He has preached the truth of the Bible, God's Word, from this pulpit here at Lewis Memorial Baptist Church. He is a man who preaches with compassion, and yet at the same time, he is a man who preaches with conviction. Uh, He has a pastor's heart, does he not? He loves you, his people. And as I Think about how God has placed him here and all the pictures that we have seen here uh, this morning. I think about the fact that he is a people person. Think about it because he has always been there for you, his church family. He's been there at the hospital. He's been there at the funerals. uh, He's been there at the weddings and he's been there at the birthday parties. He's been there during your times of sorrow and he's been there during your times of celebration. Uh, He's been there to offer words of comfort and words of wisdom and words of strength. Your pastor is one of the most gracious and humble men of God that I have ever met. Do you realize that the great, great men of God are great because they don't think of themselves as being great. The prophet Samuel told Saul, you were great when you were little in your own eyes. And that reminds me a lot of your pastor, humble, kind, and gracious. He is a true Christian gentleman. Pastor Lemming has been uh, a man of vision. If you question that statement, just look at this complex that you have here. I think about the fact that he has had a God-sized vision where he has literally carved out a ministry on the side of this West Virginia mountain for the glory and honor of God. Your pastor has led you to become a, a great evangelistic church where thousands of people have come to know Christ as their personal Savior over the 40 years that he has been here. But he has also led you to have a global vision to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lewis Memorial Baptist Church is one of the great mission-hearted churches of America. You have a reputation that you love missionaries— And you have given generously, you have given sacrificially for the cause of world evangelism. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And your pastor has been a phenomenal leader. He's been a man of faith, believing God for the impossible. He's also guided and he's mentored, and he has shaped other young men who are now serving the Lord, not only here in the States, but also all around the world. Uh, Brother Lemming is a wonderful example of what a pastor ought to be. Your pastor is a spiritual giant in my eyes. Uh, He doesn't just talk the talk, but he walks the walk, He's what I would call the real deal. Amen? I must not fail to mention uh, that he has a wonderful wife and a wonderful family. Uh, Rachel and I uh, immediately fell in love with Mary the first time that we met her. Of course, she's never met a stranger. (laughs) Mary puts the fun into ministry. Uh, Whenever I first got to know uh, David and Mary, they reminded me so much of uh, my own parents. My dad was always the serious one. And uh, he had his earned PhD and New Testament text and everything was serious, you know. And my mom, she loved to have fun. And it was a good balance. And you have a good balance with your pastor and his wife. Uh, Folks, do you realize... That you have the perfect pastor? You think about that. In Proverbs chapter 20, don't turn there, that's not my text. (laughs) Proverbs 20, verse 6, we find a question A faithful man who can find? Well, let me tell you something. When you found David Lemming, you found a faithful man. But not only is he faithful, but he's meek like Moses. He's patient like Job. He's wise like Solomon. He is an encourager like Barnabas. He has a heart for God like David. And like Enoch, he has walked with God over the years. He has faith like Joshua. Uh, He's had a vision to build like Nehemiah. Uh, He has character and integrity like Joseph. He has conviction, and he has backbone like Daniel. He has compassion like the prophet Jeremiah. He's got a burden to reach the lost like the apostle Paul. And he's got the strong biblical preaching of Peter. And like the prophet Elijah, he's had the power of God upon his life and upon his ministry. And we pray that he lives to be as old as Methuselah. Amen? <clears throat> Listen to me because your pastor is one of a kind. Honestly, they don't make them like this anymore. Pastors come and go in churches. And your pastor has stuck by the stuff. You may find it interesting, but the only time we find the word pastors in the New Testament is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Don't turn there, that's not my text. <laughs> the verse begins with this statement and he gave some. Only some are called to be pastors. Notice also that word gave because it emphasizes that your pastor, David Lemming, is a gift from God to you. In December of 1982, God gave you an incredible Christmas gift when he gave you David and Mary Lemming. And you are truly a blessed people because you've had them here at Lewis Memorial for 40 years. Years. I know that all this is making Brother Lemming uncomfortable, (laughs) and I love it. (laughs) Whenever I talked with Brother Yates and asked him, I said, Now, do you want a message that is geared around the theme of the day, or do you want a message geared to the audience? Uh, he paused for a moment on the phone, and then he said, I think Brother Lemming would like for you to preach to the people. <laughs> in other words, quit talking about me and talk about the Lord. And so that's what I'm going to do today in our remainder of the time that we have left. I don't, oh, do I, I see it now. There's the clock. It is there, isn't it? <laughs> I want you to think with me this morning about two little words that I believe can change everything in our lives. Two words. And those two words are, but God. But God. Those two words are quite possibly two of the most wonderful And the most powerful words found in the Bible. Every time we see those two words, but God, we're reminded that we must not forget to factor God into the equation of our lives. Those two words give us hope when there seems to be no more hope. Those two words remind us that God is in control even when we don't understand what's happening. Those two words encourage us to look to God for the answer. He is the solution to every problem that we face in life. And so, I draw your attention to the book of 1 Samuel. Yes, you can now open your Bible to 1 Samuel. Let's begin in chapter 15. I want us to look at several verses, but one verse in particular. I want us to think about the story of King David. Now you remember how that Saul was the first king to be chosen to rule over the nation of Israel. Saul started off humble. He started off fully surrendered to God, but slowly he drifted further and further away from the Lord. Eventually, the straw that broke the camel's back was his disobedience to what God had clearly told him to do. God had told him to completely destroy the Amalekites and all that they had. But Saul disobeyed God. He spared King Agag, and by keeping all that was good, the Bible says, he disobeyed The clear command of the Lord. Consequently, we find Samuel telling Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, the latter part of that verse, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. And then we come to chapter 16, where God chooses David as the next king over Israel. Commentators tell us that David would have been around 15 years old when the prophet Samuel anointed him as the new king over Israel. Now, later on in 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 4, we find these words, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. So there was literally around 15 years between David being anointed as the king and David actually sitting on the throne and reigning as the king over Israel. During uh, those years David became what commentators and preachers have called throughout the years the fugitive king the fugitive king. He was anointed as the king, but for 15 years he was not sitting on the throne and reigning as the king. Instead, he was constantly on the run out of fear that King Saul was going to kill him. At times, Saul came very, very close to killing David. Look, if you will, at 1 Samuel chapter 23. Because we find these words in verse 26. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. Now, if you read the book of Psalms, I love to read the book of Psalms. Whenever I get down and discouraged... I will read the Psalms for a whole month. Five Psalms a day, and you can read all 150 Psalms in a month's time. And they will lift you up. You see, David bears his soul in the Psalms. And he exposes all the thoughts that were going through his mind and how he felt about things. He asked questions to God that you and I would ask, why, God? How long, God? What are you doing, God? Well, if you read through the book of Psalms, you'll find David expressing his fear during these years of being the fugitive king. David did not always understand why all of this was happening in his life. At times, he even wondered if God had forgotten about him. Have you ever felt that way? God, have you forgotten about me? Do you realize what all I'm going through in my life? But I want you to notice my text for today. 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 14. Because I want you to notice what made the difference in David's life. Verse 14. And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness, and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. I want you to circle those two words that I read there. But God. Yes, Saul was trying to kill David, and often David would be on one side of the mountain, and Saul would be on the other side of the mountain, and they were circling that mountain, David trying to get away from Saul. But what made the difference in David's life? Well, those two little words did. But God did not deliver him, that is David, into Saul's hand. It was because of those two little words, but God, that Saul was not able to kill David. It was God who was delivering David out of one impossible situation after the other. But God, protected him but God was watching over him but God was keeping him safe from the constant threats of Saul but God who was the one who was keeping him alive but God was his shield and his defender but God was constantly making a way of escape for him but God listen to me folks if it weren't for God Saul would have killed David Have you ever faced an impossible situation in your life? Maybe you're facing that situation right now a situation where maybe you think to yourself there's no way that i'm going to get out of this situation maybe you feel like your your back is up against the wall and no matter which way you look whether you look to your left or look to your right or look behind you or look in front of you there just seems to be no way out your friends can't help you your parents can't help you your husband can't help you your wife can't help you. Your pastor can't help you. You can't even help yourself. I think, like David, we all need to realize that there are times when there is only one person who can help us, and that person is God. Psalm 57, verse 2 and 3, David says, "'I will cry out to God most high.'" To God who performs all things for me, He shall send from heaven and save me. (laughs) Yes, sometimes you look to the left, no help. Look to the right, no help. Look behind you, no help. Look in front of you, no help. But when you look up to heaven, God will send the help from heaven. He shall send from heaven and save me. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul, wait silently for God alone. For my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Some of you need to tell yourself that today. You're in the midst of that impossible situation. All hope seems to be gone. There seems to be no way out. You need to look at that verse. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is our refuge for us. Selah. When is the last time you've poured your heart out to God. Sometimes we tend to look for help everywhere else before we finally turn to God for help. Aren't you glad that you've been saved by God's grace through faith in His Son Jesus Christ, plus nothing and minus nothing? I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be saved this morning. Amen? by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have been set free from the bondage of sin. The apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 1 verse 13 that God hath delivered us from the power of darkness and he is what translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. But my friend, not only will he deliver us from the penalty and the power of sin, and praise God one day he's going to deliver us from the very presence of sin. But I want you to know that he can deliver us from every impossible, every hopeless situation that we encounter in life. The Old Testament is full of one example after the other of God delivering his people from what seems to be impossible and hopeless situations. I love reading through the Old Testament. I have found as I have pastored throughout the years that uh, a lot of uh, Christians don't like to read the Old Testament. They find themselves always reading the New Testament. If they read the Old Testament, they'll read the book of Psalms or maybe read the book of Proverbs, but they don't read the entire Old Testament. We uh, had a Bible reading schedule in 2020 where we uh, read through the New Testament in 2020. In 2021, we challenged our people to read through the entire Old Testament. And then this year, we have read through all of the Old Testament and the New Testament. That helps you whenever you read the Old Testament and you see that God is at work in the lives of His people over and over and over again. I want to show you how this, but God, these two little words play out in the Old Testament, one example after the other. You see, when Abraham and Sarah were, humanly speaking, too old to have a child. It was God who gave them Isaac, but God. When the Israelites encountered the Red Sea in front of them, Pharaoh's army behind them, mountains on both sides of them, it was God who delivered them from the, uh, Pharaoh's army by opening up the Red Sea and enabling them to walk through on dry ground. When the Israelites thought that they were going to literally starve to death in the wilderness, it was God who rained down manna from heaven. When the Israelites thought that they were going to thirst to death out there in the wilderness, it was God who gave them water from the rock. When Joshua was leading the Israelites into the promised land, it was God who Parted the Jordan River, enabling them to walk across on dry ground when it came to conquering the city of Jericho, but God. When Joshua was leading the Israelites in the battle against the Amorites, it was God who caused the sun and the moon to stand still. When Gideon and his 300 men faced the Midianite army of 135,000 soldiers, it was God who gave them the victory. In 1 Kings chapter 17, when the widow of Zarephath only had enough flour and enough oil to make just one last meal for her and her son, it was God who miraculously kept replenishing that barrel of flour and that cruise of oil. The Shunammite's son was dead, but God. Naaman had leprosy, but God. Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came against Hezekiah, the king of Judah. But the angel of the Lord slew 185,000 soldiers. And then we have the story about wicked Haman trying to exterminate the Jews in the book of Esther. And there's two words all throughout that book, and that would be, but God. Interesting thing about the book of Esther, you never find God mentioned one time in the book of Esther, and yet God is all over that story. But God. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down and worship the golden image, it was God who delivered them, not from the fiery furnace, but through the fiery furnace when Daniel was cast into the lion's den, but God. All throughout the Old Testament, we find one but God story after the other. Do you know why it's important for us to read the Old Testament? Here it is. The Apostle Paul tells us why in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. For whatever things were written before, well, Whenever Paul wrote those words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was looking back and he was referring to the Old Testament Scriptures. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. There's something we can learn from all of these stories that we through the patience, be patient, let God do what only God can do in your life, and comfort of the Scriptures might have what? What's the word? Hope. We can have hope when we read all of these stories and we see, but God, but God, but God, but God, but God, but God. Over and over and over again as you read those Old Testament Scriptures, what does that do for you? It gives you hope. It gives you hope. And so, you read the Pentateuch, and you say, but God. We read the historical books, and we say, but God. We read the poetic books, and we say, but God. We read the major prophets, and we say, but God. We read the minor prophets, and we say, but God. You see, we read from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Malachi, and we conclude this, but God, He can deliver us from every impossible and hopeless situation. Our God, the one true living God, is a God who can work miracles. And He can do that which we cannot do. So, when we come to the end of our rope, when we come to our wits' ends, when we feel like we're about to drown in life's sea of problems, when we have exasperated all means of hope, we must not forget those two little words, but God. Because those two little words make all the difference in the world, in our lives. What is your seemingly impossible situation today? Maybe it's salvation. If so, why don't you come today and pray for God to save you and to deliver you from the bondage of sin? He will do that which you cannot do for yourself. You can't save yourself. It's impossible. Without God, you are hopeless. But whenever you come by faith, and you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, suddenly the impossible becomes possible. Your sins are washed away. He gives you the gift of eternal life. He promises you a home in heaven forever. You say, even for me, preacher, you don't know what kind of life I have lived up to this point. I don't need to know because here's the promise in God's Word Romans 10, verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everybody is a whoever. (laughs) When God sent His Son Jesus Christ into the world to be born of a virgin, live a sinless life, and then die on that old rugged cross, He was dying. For your sin, he had you on his mind whenever he sent Jesus into the world. Maybe today you need to pray, God help me with my situation at work. Or maybe you need to pray, Lord, help me with my marriage. Or maybe there's a mother here today that needs to pray, Lord, please, please bring back my my wayward boy or my wayward daughter back to you. Maybe it's a a financial need in your life. Maybe it's a physical need need in your life. Maybe you're struggling with some kind of addiction in your life today. Maybe you're just overwhelmed with the stress and the challenges of the phase of life that you are in right now. But can I remind you those two words, but God, offer hope to you today. Maybe you don't know how you're going to get through that situation Just like David was going on one side of the mountain and Saul was on the other. And they were going round and around that mountain. But God, it was God who kept David alive. And your answer, your hope is God today. Whatever the problem is, God can handle it. Because our God specializes in things that we call impossible God but God some of you today may need to come and just give yourself your problem that hopeless situation into the hands of the Lord and say God I don't know how I'm going to get through this but you do